open! Are you ready? I'm sorry, but my intro has actually been held for ransom. I'm Joe Fulgham. When snatching an infant, spend a nickel and get a store-bought ladder. I'm Kevin Leeson. I'm Torn Atkinson. If you ever want to hear the end of this episode, send 700,000 listeners to Caustic Soda. Kidnapping. Kidnapping. Kidnapping, yeah. (laughs) Kid, which still has an informal air, was considered low slang when the word kidnapper was formed. And napper is obsolete slang for a thief. Coming from the verb nap, to steal. Uh, Nap is possibly a variant of nab, which also has a slangy ring. Hmm. In 1678, the year in which the word is first recorded, kidnappers plied their trade to secure laborers for plantations in colonies such as the ones in North America. So it's kind of like slavery for kids. It's kind of like Shanghaiing. Yeah. Kind of it is, yeah. but for plantations, yeah. Well, oh, that makes it okay then. <laughs> it's not slavery, it's just kidnapping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The word abduct comes mm. from ab away and ducere to lead. To lead, to lead away. away. Oh, okay. So it shouldn't have been the pied piper, it should have been the pied abductor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Has a good ring to it. Yeah. The pied abductor of Hamlin. So what is the difference between kidnapping and abduction? Is there one? I think abduction generally gets attributed more to children, it seems to, than to everybody. Kidnapping seems to apply to everybody, and abduction seems to apply more to children. In the course of the research, that's what I found. Or aliens. <laughs> my, yeah, aliens. my aliens were abducted. But that's that's just because of the alliterative nature of it. I do know that in some regions, a kidnapper will bargain for ransom, whereas the word abductor applies to someone who will take someone with no ransom involved. Right. Yeah. They're just more like they want the person. But I think in North America, they're interchangeable. Yeah. Pretty much synonymous. Let me do kidnapping in the animal kingdom. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Let's hear I it. I hadn't even thought of that, but now that I think about it, I guess it can happen. In Saudi Arabia, okay. baboons will kidnap feral puppies. What? I, uh, baboons will kidnap dogs. That's awesome. <laughs> Those are smart baboons. Dogs are awesome. <laughs> they make good pets. <laughs> As shown on the TV show Animals Like Us, and there was a, we'll put up a link to this video so you can see it all happen. Okay. But uh, in the city of Taif, there is a garbage dump that feral dogs live in, mm-hmm. and troops of baboons will come along and grab unattended puppies. Now, to what end? What do they use these dogs they for? They become after? part of the troop. So so they follow them in their migrations, they sleep together, they guard the troop at night. Oh, so they, they take them as guard dogs. That is awesome. Yeah, and just family members in general. Oh, so you'll see, you'll see these dogs lying around with all these baboons and grooming one another and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I guess like Meanwhile, a dog. Meanwhile, mama dog is on the dump going, oh, my little baby puppy. To a dog, a baboon wouldn't be entirely dissimilar from a human, They do right? both have snouts. Yeah. Oh, I mean, baboons and dogs both have snouts. Yeah, but, like, they've got their, you know, their hands and feet, and they walk, uh, you know, somewhat upright like humans. Yeah. And so they would kind of, like, I can see that now, now that you stop and think about it. And then they dress them up in little vests, so just like people do. Take them for walkies. They, yeah. they become pets, basically. More, more drags when, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this when is... the baboons are involved. Yeah, they don't have a leash, so it looks like they're just grabbing the tail and pulling them along with them. So that's the uh, animal kingdom. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, pet animals like us. Huh? Nature break on caustic soda. <laughs> Need a music stinger for that one. 
All right, I do have a pop quiz, though. I'm very excited about this. Now, of 8,000 kidnappings a year okay. worldwide. That's, that's how many happen, generally speaking? Roughly, according to the information I received from the interweb. All right, okay, 8,000 a year. Got it. How many of those are Latin America slash Caribbean? Ooh. Now, see, I think it's a leader. It makes me feel like it's going to be either very few or a lot. So I'm going to go with very few. I'm going to go with 50. 50 of 8,000? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, 30%. About 6,500. Oh, snap. Wow, that's like... like uh, a lot. <laughs> I can't do the percent in my head. That's a mathematical figure. <laughs> wow, so 6,500 of 8,000 kidnappings worldwide happen in Latin America and the Caribbean. And do you know what the world capital of kidnappings is? Mexico City. The world capital yeah. of kidnapping? The country. Turkey? Colombia. Oh. With more than uh, 3,300. Well, it's not that big a country. But I guess uh, that's also a country where a federal judge's tenure length is like uh, three years on average and not because they retire, because they get murdered. Mm, yeah. So it's a bit of a wild west down there. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about uh, unreported kidnappings because apparently, yeah. the, especially with kids, they, they get taken away and the ransom's actually quite low. You know, yeah. give us $2,000 and we'll give you your kid back. And people just go, okay. Uh, yeah. In Colombia, rebel groups kidnap people en masse along these sides of highways as seen in Proof of Life which we'll talk about in pop culture. Okay. And from guerrilla groups and paramilitaries to street gangs and major drug trafficking groups, it has become a common side job, a way to ensure regular extortion payments or gain more revenue through ransoms. It is also a crime that often plagues the middle class and professionals. These groups have money, are less likely to inform the authorities, and are less likely to create a stir among the top echelons of power. The result is that many kidnappings go underreported, Right. Most groups do not have the infrastructure to hold people for more than a few days, and the ones that do often count on collaboration of local and sometimes national authorities, as well as a wide network of civilian informants. I have a bit so of a... it's really a culture of kidnapping. I have a, a personal anecdote on the Ooh, kidnapping front. Tell me. I was seeing a girl, mm-hmm. she was a Mexican national up here learning English. Was she Latino? I don't know. Were Mexicans count as Latino or are they Hispanic? Did she say anything in Latin to you? Uh, no, not in Latin per se. Uh, and actually she would be Latina, wouldn't she? I don't know. Maybe she had a Latin tongue. It was awesome. But, <laughs> I, you know, we had been seeing each other for a short amount of time and then she just disappeared. Wasn't returning any of my calls and my text messages, whatever. Nothing had gone wrong, so I thought it quite curious. And this was in Vancouver? This was in Vancouver. And her friend who I'd met her through, I kind of was like, what happened to... I'm not going to name her here on the podcast, but... Cuanto le gusta. <laughs> and she related this story wherein her brother had been kidnapped and had been killed in the attempt. Oh. And so uh, her family had... Did she come from a wealthy family? Or? She came from a wealthy family in Mexico uh. City, and her brother had been kidnapped and killed in the attempt, and so she returned post-haste to Mexico. Wow. Didn't mm-hmm. even leave you a post-it note. No, nothing. No nothing. email? No, no nothing. email, no nothing. No text message? Zip zero. Uh, you were done anyway. Never heard from her again. Yeah, probably for the better. Take that. My brother died. Better leave this guy behind and not talk to him ever again. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Do you guys know what express kidnapping is? Is that a drive-up window full of kids? (laughs) That you can take away? (laughs) Take one little white girl. To go. To go. It's a method of of abduction used mainly in Latin America where a small ransom that a company or family can easily pay is demanded. So it's like a mini ransom. Uh, Right. So it's it's almost become formalized. All right, we got your kid. Give us $2,000. All right, here you go. There's my fee for the day. Yeah. 
Yeah. Seems to be. It's like an ATM. This is a kid TM. And do you guys know what the millionaire millionaire tour is? The millionaire tour. No. That's not where people drive around in buses and go, hey, that's where that guy lives. Uh, a passenger takes a cab, usually at night, and is temporarily kidnapped by the driver. The cab stops to pick up armed goons who get in and take the passenger to a variety of ATMs, maxing out their bank card at each one. The victim is sometimes taken to his or her own house where he or she is robbed of their personal items and then abandoned under the effects of scopolamine. I heard a story about a friend of mine who was going to Jamaica and they were warned that this was at the time very common in Jamaica to like be very wary of taking cabs anywhere and doing anything unaccompanied by other people. Yeah. They just drive you out in the middle of nowhere and then another car would show up full of goons and then they do this very thing. Yeah, exactly. Common in Mexico, Peru, Brazil. Uh, due to corrupt administrative practices by the road authorities, resulting in the presence of illegal taxi cab operators, which work with the complicity of some members of the police. Uh, this is a callback to our bad cop, bad cop <laughs> yeah. episode. Yep. And uh, express kidnaps and kidnappings have been known in the U.S. since 1986, when New York politician Mario Biaggi proposed having all ATM networks reprogrammed to recognize an alternate emergency PIN. Oh, so you type in your second PIN, and then it, it basically alerts the authorities and says, I'm being kidnapped. Yeah. That's a great idea, actually. I'm really but surprised. Then, uh, I would just use my emergency PIN every time I took out cash. and like, <laughs> No, it was the kidnappers. They made me do it. I need that money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you not heard the boy who cried wolf? Didn't they yeah. just do a wolves episode? Yeah. <laughs> There's no wolves involved. Kidnappers with wolf masks on, maybe at some point. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> One of the most famous kidnappings in American history. Peter Pan, the Lindbergh Child. Oh. All of my research on this is done by reading. The Lindbergh Child, one of the books in a treasury of 20th century murder by Rick Geary. You love Rick Geary. I do love Rick Geary. I would marry Rick Geary's books if the state (laughs) would allow me. They are both entertaining and informative, and the entirety of my research on the Lindbergh child kidnapping. Oh, nice. You just read that cover to cover? I just read this cover to cover for the second time. It's that good. Well, Charles Lindbergh was the aviator. Indeed. Right. Indeed, he was. He uh, From the 1920s? Well, he became famous in the late 20s because he was attempting all these, you know, one-man flights around the world and blah, 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 and setting speed records. And he was definitely a media darling. Right. Uh, but the kidnapping itself took place after he had married and, and had their first child. And it was 1932, I believe. Okay. This became known as the crime of the century. Well before the century was over. It certainly, uh, in the press, it got that moniker, the crime of the century, which uh, when you're only 32 years into it, right. you know, you're setting a uh, setting the bar pretty high. The crime of the century so far. So far. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy elements to the story. First and foremost, that the entire household was present in the house when it happened. Mm-hmm. The kidnapping happened like between 8 and 8.30 at night. Mm-hmm. when the entire house was like awake and up, which is what speculated a lot of theories that there was somebody on the inside oh. who was, uh, you know, part of the problem, but nobody in the staff was ever prosecuted. But if I was implicated. on the inside, I would know when everybody's asleep. Yeah, you'd think, right? Like if it was somebody inside, it was somebody stupid. Well, or, you know, now's the time. Like, I guess, Nap time. you know, when you don't have cell phones, you can't text somebody and say, hey, do it now. Like, you kind of just got to kind of five hours since his last coffee. He's getting drowsy. Go. <laughs> <laughs> then the child went missing and there was this massive manhunt. And there were a number of episodes where other people insinuated themselves to assist in the recovery of the child oh. outside of like police influence. Like 
uh, these two actual career criminals came forward and said that they are well-known in the New York underworld. Oh. And so they would have a better chance of finding the perpetrator. So the Lindberghs were, like, paying them as proxies to try and unearth, and nothing ever came of their investigations. Of course not. Untrustworthy criminals. Yeah, there was a guy named Dr. Condon volunteered himself as a go-between by putting an ad in the paper and addressed it to the kidnapper. Right. And the kidnapper responded. Wow. Yeah. And they, they knew that which of the letters were authentic because the kidnapper had this very weird symbol signature with like three holes punched in it with two interlocking concentric circles. Oh, okay. So any note that came with this signature. It was almost like a stamp. It was almost like a stamp. But okay. when anything came with that at the bottom, they knew that it was an official kidnapping letter, right? Mm. Now, was Lindbergh like a super rich dude? Well, or was he just famous? Well, he married the daughter of an ambassador, and uh, at the time, ambassadors were like sort of captains of industry and stuff like that, and like career diplomats, and they all came from sort of old money and whatever, so... Certainly, the ambassador to a pile of gold coins. Yeah. So the ransom demand was $70,000. In the 1930s. In 1932. In Depression-era America. Bazillion dollars. Yeah. uh, I get corrected for inflation. I'm not 100% sure where it clocks in. Maybe just shy of a bazillion. Point nine bazillion. So this Dr. Condon comes into the picture and he actually meets on two occasions with the kidnapper, one by himself. And uh, Rick Geary quite, I don't know if he's tongue in cheek about it or if he's just saying it for the record. But the first meeting between Dr. Condon and the kidnapper, he puts in brackets. Dr. Condon is tells this story himself and it's uncorroborated and there's no evidence that this is actually what took place. And he totally puts a, you know, caveat on the story, but he meets with this guy in a, in a park and and they have a conversation. He talks about the guy's accent. The guy had a thick accent, evidently German. He kept saying he thought it was German. Uh, There was also a phone call that the the police listened in on that. They heard people speaking Italian in the background. So, and, uh, and so he talks about this guy who tells them that the, baby's being held on a boat and he has compatriots and so the second time they meet with them they bring this box full of seventy thousand dollars in cash and Lindbergh stays in the car and condon goes into the park and gives them the money and then of course the baby never appears and it's not until a couple of months later i think three months later that they find the baby's body only like a couple of miles from the Lindbergh home oh with like a depressed skull fracture so the theory is is that the kidnapper dropped the baby when he was taking it out of the window oh, right. man. and then just left the baby in a little copse of trees. I remember then, hearing something about one of the Lindbergh family had heard a noise during dinner or something like that, like a thud or something. That was Lindbergh himself. Right. He was reading in the study and he heard... A, that sounds like a baby falling. Oh, no, it couldn't He be. actually said it sounded like cracking wood and it was a very stormy night, so he thought it was just a branch of a tree. Oh, okay. When, in fact, one of the key pieces of evidence in the trial ended up being this homemade ladder that was left behind at the scene, which had a broken broken rung Why would you so, to home, don't they didn't they make ladders back then yeah the, that was one of the curious parts of the thing <laughs> is like when ladders are so readily available would have been a paper trail man yeah well, like cover yourself why make a i made a, this ladder out of paper mache funny it broke maybe the guy was trying to keep his expenses down to maximize profit <laughs> that's right <laughs> Come on, man, a ladder's going to cost me a nickel. Geary actually uh, has a, a, a drawing of the ladder itself. Just two big branches with a couple of branches strung across it? Is no, that it's, what it was, they're or? planks of wood, but oh. uh, it's uh, it's pretty homemade And And also on the right is the, uh, oh, the interlocking circles with the signature and the three holes. Oh, yeah. This is certainly the, the cracking sound that Lindbergh reported having heard the night before. The theory is, is this right. was the rung cracking.
cracking, and, and then, then so they found the broken ladder underneath outside underneath the house. The one, yeah, under, underneath the window where okay. the underneath the baby's room, which was on the second floor. Because your homemade ladder was not uh, baby safe. No, absolutely not. But the money that they give the that they had given to the kidnapper was uh, they'd recorded all the serial numbers. That's a lot of recording. So months, months later, like four, five, six months later, these uh, this money starts showing up in banks in in and around Brooklyn. And so they, they kind of get an idea that this person lives in whoever has the ransom money lives yep. in New York and yada, yada, yada. They keep getting reports like one of these bills gets spent at a movie theater. One of these bills gets turned in at a, at a bank. And uh, this person turns in almost $3,000 of bills at the same at one time at this mm. place. And so that leaves a paper trail. And they eventually capture this guy. Bruno Hauptmann. And in searching his premises, they found like about $15,000 of the ransom money hidden in his garage and a chisel that was used to pry the window open. Uh, the exact same size of chisel is missing from his toolkit. That seems pretty damning. And uh, they find uh, missing floorboards from his attic that precisely match some of the boards oh. that were in the homemade uh, ladder. See, now the paper trail avoidance like gets reversed on him. Comes back and bites him in the ass. If he just paid a nickel for a ladder. Suffice to say, he denies everything, says that there's this mystery. There's another German immigrant who uh, had gone back to Germany and then died while he was there and when he opened his suitcases that had been left behind mm. he found all the money inside and that's when he started to spend it yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the shaggy song wasn't me yeah you know they yeah. caught him with the money and the chisel and the floorboards and the trial went into 1935 and he was executed in 19 in april of 1936 so it's like it's always one of those things whenever you read about executions like prior to the modern era mm-hmm. it always amazes me how fast the executions happen from conviction to execution right like if you go back Mm -hmm. to the victorian era people get executed like 90 days after they were convicted right right? but there's all sorts of like really strange little side elements like when the police were questioning the help because they thought oh somebody has to be involved in, in in the inside job one of the women was very very evasive they, fa- they caught her out in a couple of lies about her whereabouts that night. And so they're like, oh, we've got the missing link here. In fact, right. after their second interview with her, she went off and committed suicide by swallowing silver nitrate. But they eventually unearthed her whereabouts that night and was completely innocent. Like there was, she had nothing to do with it. And they found no evidence. Conscience. The baby wore thumb guards because Lindbergh was against thumb sucking. Oh, thumb guards. He seemed like kind of a jerk, actually. What little I know of him. Like he was a racist. He believed in the purity of white European blood. Yeah, he was one of those guys who was like, Hitler's not such a bad guy in the late 30s. Yeah, he yeah. was one of those guys. One of his line, he said something about Germany when they had their, their riots. He said, well, I'm paraphrasing. Sure, they have a Jewish problem, but do they have to react to it so unreasonably? <laughs> like, okay, yeah, you've got all these Jews and it's a problem, but you don't have to get violent about it. Yeah, he was a man of his times. What can we say? Uh, but th- th- these thumb guards were found like in the driveway, like weeks and weeks and weeks after the abduction. They're like, how could we possibly have walked past these oh, dozens of times? And he was left behind, which raised all these theories that somebody, you know, planted them and blah blah blah. And so, really crazy story. And it's another one of these stories. And the kidnappers basically kidnap the person, immediately kill them, and then still proceed to like try and get the ransom out of them. Well, sure, you got to commit. Like, you had no intention ever of returning the person alive, just going straight to, you know, because it's a lot harder to keep somebody in captivity than to just, you know, whack them and leave them in a shallow grave, right? Well, unless you have a long-term goal of being a professional kidnapper. 
Right. You don't really care what happens to the kidnappee on the first time you do it. Yeah. Unless unless you plan to repeat and you want like a, a good rating with the Better yeah, exactly. Kidnapping Bureau. <laughs> Precisely. My point. A++ would pay ransom again. <laughs> it's on the eBay it's kidnapping eBay. site. A, 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 Quick shipping of child after immediate payment. Well, if we go... Chronometrically? Well, this will go back a little bit chronologically. There's a kidnapping called the Kudahi kidnapping from 1900. Kudahi? Edward Kudahi was a millionaire in Omaha, Nebraska, the millionaire owner of Kudahi Packing Company. Can you spell that for me? C-U-D-A... No packing. Edward Kudahi Jr., his 16-year-old son, uh, was out running an errand, and as he walked home, a carriage pulled up beside him. A man jumped out and grabbed him, pulling him inside. Mr. Kudahi received a ransom note for $25,000 in 1900. So would that be more or less than 70000 in 1932 for the Lindbergh kidnapping? I'm going to say less. Yeah, probably. Probably one of those, uh, you know, it's only 25000 what do you care kind of things. You can't put a price on human life. The note started with, Mr. Kudahi, we have kidnapped your child and demand $25,000 for a safe return. If you give us the money, he will return as safe as when you last saw him. But if you refuse, we will put acid in his eyes and blind him. But still return him. They point. They bring up a case that had happened in 1874 where oh. the uh, the industrialist was – his four-year-old child had been kidnapped and he was told not to pay the ransom. By the police. By the police. Yeah. Not to give in to the demands of uh, these perpetrators and then the, the child was never recovered. Right. So they kind of made a point of bringing that up. They made a point of bringing it up saying uh, Ross died of a broken heart. Sorry that he allowed the detectives to dictate to him. Kudahi, you're up against it and there's only one way out. Give up the coin. Nice. <laughs> Money we want and money we will get. If you don't give up, you can lead your boy blind for the rest of your days. So they throw the whole, like, yeah, you'll get your kid back, but he'll be blind. Okay. So uh, eventually they gave him the money. They got away with it. The child was returned unharmed. Both of them eventually were caught and acquitted at trial. What? There were two perpetrators, two co-conspirators. One of them was caught spending some of the money, and he he confessed and turned in his uh, compatriot. Mm -hmm. And at trial, both of them were acquitted. How? By technicality, generally speaking. That a lot of evidence was thrown out, that they had some great defense, that there was some, you know, uh, lost evidence. It was just a complete... Nobody liked the kid. Yeah. (laughs) He deserved it. The next kidnapping I have that I found of particular interest Mm. was the 1976 Chowchilla not chinchilla, chowchilla. Chowchilla sounds like chinchillas that are raised for meat. <laughs> mm. Ooh, chinchillas that were humped by chows. Oh yeah, oh, half chow, breed. half chinchilla. Oh, imagine That's a crime against That'd nature. Be, that, that would be so much puff. Oh, that would be the softest <laughs> dog ever. You'd be digging through the fur to try to find the meat <laughs> yeah. underneath somewhere. There'd be like two eyeballs and then hair. It'd be the most adorable anything ever. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, Geneticists, get on that. Yeah, let's make this happen. Uh, In 1976, a school bus with 26 26 children and the adult bus driver was taken hostage. They were uh, taken off of the school bus. The school bus was buried in a slough, and uh, the entire uh, 26 children and driver were made to go through a hole in the ground, which turned out to be a moving van that they had buried and they were in in the back of the moving van. This is genius. That's, yeah, that's real planning. Yeah, yeah. They planned ahead in a in a uh, a quarry. Now it turned out the son of the owner of the quarry was one of the guys involved. Oh, that's not. That's genius. how they got uh, access to it. Uh, but uh, they'd left fourteen mattresses in the moving van because so, they I guess they were 
they, they were ready for this to be a long haul before mm-hmm. they got the ransom money. But unfortunately, the bus driver and the older children managed to stack up all 14 of the mattresses right to the roof of the moving van and cl- crawl their way to safety. Yeah, they kind of they pushed every they managed to push everything that they had stacked on top of the door. Yeah, they put two 100 pound industrial sized batteries on top of the hatch that they had forced them in through. Right. Yeah. And uh, they'd managed, but because it was there was an adult man, yeah. they kind of managed to pry their way out. A desperate, desperate adult man. Yeah. So the entire ordeal was less than two days it was 16 hours but they took 11 hours bus trip ride before they put them in the uh, in the place so So yeah not bus trip but just yeah they drove them around in circles to like confuse them about where they were taking them yeah for 11 hours they drove them around in circles and then they buried them for 16 so it was a grand total of 27 hours so the flaw in their plan was they hadn't noticed that even chimpanzees can stack things up to get at bananas (laughs) yeah no they hadn't uh it hadn't occurred to them that you could actually stack your way to safety like jenga well jenga goes the other way but yeah yeah Tetris. Uh, after the Tetris. children were recovered, it was observed. the easiest Tetris game ever, where <laughs> all of them are that yeah. four block line. <laughs> if that's what the mattress is. You're totally right. Some of the kids are trying to make things a little more difficult. They're bending them into different shapes. Come on, it'll be fun. No time for this. Uh, after the children were recovered, it was observed that the circumstance of the abduction corresponded greatly to details in "The Day the Children Vanished," a story written by Hugh Pentecost and published in the 1969 anthology Alfred Hitchcock's Daring Detective. Oh. A copy of the book was in the Chowchilla Public Library, and police theorized that this was the source of the real-life kidnapper's inspiration. I can't expect that they got away with it in the books, either. <laughs> so, you guys should copy successful things. Yeah, that would probably have been a better strategy. But this- still, it does sound well thought out. Like, you know, drive around, confuse them, buried van. I mean, they just made the one mistake. Take note, future kidnappers. And also, only 200 pounds on the hatch. Uh, this was made into a 1993 TV movie. They'd taken our children. Look it up. Yeah, if anyone wants to check it out, I'm sure the, it's available on Netflix. The standard TV movie scare mothers into watching it title. Yeah. They've yeah. taken our children. Not without my daughter. What would MOWs be without middle-aged women? They would be nothing. They wouldn't exist without middle-aged women. Spend a lot of time at home. What's an MOW? Uh, movie of the week. Oh, because it almost sounded like M-A-W, middle-aged woman, and I, so I was all confused. Oh, M-A-W is watching M-O-W. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can see how we were confused. Yes. Uh, I guess that is kind of an industry terminology. Nobody calls them M-O-Ws unless you work in the actual film and television industry. Now I feel bad. Now everybody knows I don't work in the industry. <laughs> we could probably could figure that out. I have uh, a case from 1987, an infant named Carlina Renee White. Uh, was abducted from the Harlem Hospital Center in New York City by a woman named Anne Petway. She was still in the hospital after being recently born and uh, and was raised under the name Nedra Nance by Anne Petway in Bridgeport, Connecticut, a mere 45 miles from where her parents lived. Yeah. White, as a teen, grew suspicious that Petway was not her birth mother because of their lack of physical resemblance mm-hmm. and uh, all inability to attain documents such as social security cards. Oh, she wanted to get a driver's license. Yeah. Mom yeah. was like, uh, what's over there? Petway told her that she couldn't have a birth certificate because a drug, a drug addict had left White in her care. Petway had tried uh. to forge a certificate, was unable to create one that looked genuine. So she told her that she wasn't her real daughter. I gave her a, the tin off of a cookie jar with some crayon written on yeah. it. Here's your birth certificate. <laughs> because a junkie friend had left her in her care. Yeah. The, oh, that old nugget. 
Yeah, society has no way of finding that person's information and documents. So this lady just wanted a child, I guess. Yeah. No, she absolutely. Had, she, she had a bunch of miscarriages, own. apparently, and was fed up with not being able to have a baby. So she just took one. I'm sure there's an MOW about this. <laughs> At age 23, they call her White, even though her, her name she was living under was Nedra Nance. Uh, White turned to sites such as the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and she found images of the kidnapped Carlina that resembled herself. Oh, wow. I wouldn't know if I'd be able to recognize myself as a baby. Well, no, she had pictures of herself as a child with... Um, but even then, babies all look way. the same. Oh, like, like if, no, you were, no. if you were to show me pictures of myself as a kid that I'd never seen before, mm -hmm. I might not be able to... Even looking at other pictures of myself as a kid, I might not... But, I, I might go, well, they're kind of the same. No, but that's what she had. She had a picture of herself in the hospital, and she had a picture of herself as a baby right. in Petway's what care. What I'm saying oh, is if, okay. if I had a picture of myself that I'd never as a baby that I'd never seen, and I had another picture of myself as a baby... It would still be difficult for me to tell that they're... Because babies look the same. They're all small and bald and fat. Uh, so she got... Because of her uh, birthmark that looked like Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> she saw the similarities between herself and uh, alerted the authorities and DNA profiling confirmed in January of 2011 that she was indeed the missing Carlina White. Oh, this is almost in the news. This case represents the longest known gap in non-parental abduction where the victim was reunited with the family in the United States. And then what happened? Well, her parents had filed a $100 million lawsuit against the hospital uh, after she had disappeared, and they actually got $750,000 in 1992 from that. So that's how much your baby is worth. <laughs> now I know. That's right. So that's the market value. It's been set. And then word is that uh, she tried to uh, get together with her, her biological parents, and they had a falling out over that money and she continues to live under the name Nedra under her abductee name yeah well I guess you come in and say hey you got $750,000 for me oh yeah we spent that within a couple of years moving up the food chain this is I hate to use the term my favorite one do it what's up the food chain from humans bacteria no this is the kidnapping food chain meteors oh, okay mm -hmm. on June 10th of 1991 in South Lake Tahoe California a young girl named J.C. Lee Dugard was 11 years old and abducted from the street while walking home from school. And she was kept in captivity for the next 18 years. That's a long time. Wow. On August 25, 2009, convicted sex offender Philip Craig Garrido visited the campus of UC Berkeley accompanied by two young girls. Their unusual behavior sparked an investigation that led to his bringing the two girls to a parole office on August 26, accompanied by a young woman who was then identified as Dugard. Who were these two young women? They were their daughters. Oh, the daughter of the kidnapper and the kidnappee. Correct. Uh, the 11-year-old and 15-year-old daughters, respectively. Why were they going to the campus? Well, Garrido, who uh, is probably kind of crazy, uh, on August You don't 24th, have to be crazy to be a kidnapper, but it sure helps. <laughs> on August 24th of 2009, Garrido visited the San Francisco office of the FBI and left a four-page essay containing his ideas about religion and sexuality, uh, suggesting that he had discovered a solution to the problem behaviors like his own past crimes and he would like to assist the fbi in curing sexual predators by controlling human impulses that drive humans to commit dysfunctional acts and on the same day he went to uc berkeley to try and arrange a permission to hold a christian event on campus as part of his god's desire program hmm. which was his own self-created curing sexual predators program well takes one to know one. Nobody who spreads the word of God could be an evil person. The officials at UC Berkeley kind of had this 
you know, weirdo vibe from him. And he had these two young girls with him. And so they, they called his parole officer. What did he do that he was on parole? Did we oh, he was on parole for rape. Yeah, he'd uh, per- actually committed an abduction and a rape in like 1976 or something like that. And so, it's been like like 11 years or 12 years in jail and like got out of jail like t- six months before abducting J.C. Lee Dugard. For, and then had her for how 18 many years? years. 18 years. And the parole officer was making regular visits or? Well, this is one of the big debates about this thing is that there were numerous opportunities for the authorities to discover this long before, right. discover what was going on because he had J.C. Lee Dugard and their two daughters living in tents in his backyard. Tents? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Escape-proof tents. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, there was a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome going on at this stage of the game. And here's the thing. He was married. Yes, he had a wife. Yeah. Who was completely complicit in the whole thing. Ah. In 2006, one of Garrido's neighbors called 911 and told them that there were tents in the backyard with children living there. And that Garrido was psychotic with sexual addictions. And that they were uh, they were afraid for the safety of the children living in his backyard. Uh, in response to the call, the deputy sheriff spoke with Garrido at the front door of his house for 30 minutes and left, telling him there would be a code violation if the people living outside were not removed or brought inside. On, after Dugard was finally found three years later, the local police issued an apology. We're sorry that we didn't actually go into the backyard and talk to the people that were living there. We're sorry that we suck at our job. I'm going to give them, like, who would think, well, these people living in the backyard must be a kidnapped girl that he's held for 15 years. Yeah, but you don't go and look. Yeah, you stand at the front door and just take Garrido at his word for 30 minutes. Somebody's complaining there's tents in the backyard. You're just like, all right, fine. Well, Garrido seemed to have admitted that there were people living back there because the sheriff actually warned him that there would be a code violation if those people living out there were not brought inside but 99 times out of 100 that there are people living in tents in somebody's backyard it's just like bum friends of his that right. he's allowing to sleep there against the municipal code yeah but if just part of the complaint and... involves the word sexual and predator and he is on parole for rape and these how are many children. rapists keep them in the backyard in tents i mean i'm saying you're right they got it wrong but it's not completely unreasonable to just be like all right tents in the backyard well, except for the fact they the can actually do the follow-up that they promised that they would do yeah fair enough in 2009, the California Office of the, Office of the Inspector General issued a report which enumerated various laps in the Department of Corrections rehabilitation that contributed to due guards' continued captivity. The Inspector General detailed an instance in which a parole agent encountered a 12-year-old girl at the home of Garrido but accepted Garrido's explanation that she was his brother's daughter and the agent did nothing to verify it, in spite of the fact that he was a registered sex offender. Oh, and the agent knew that? Yes. Okay, that's that's messed up. Mm-hmm. When you're a registered sex offender, I don't think your brother's daughter's allowed to visit. Alone. Yeah. Unsupervised. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a total screw-up. Yeah. That one's unacceptable. They actually had to issue an entire report that had, like, you know, 10 instances where they kind of dropped the ball. Oh, that's kind of curious. this was, like, one of the more grievous ones that I found, which is why I brought that up. It's a specific example. Hey, you're a sex offender. Uh, what's this kid doing here? Oh, that's my brother's daughter. Oh. Oh, okay, then. And that, that's but one of many. They, they had issued an entire report to outline all the uh, dropped balls. Uh, on June 2nd, 2011, Philip Greedo was sentenced to 431 years imprisonment. What, is he immortal? <laughs> well, we can't take that chance. Uh, his wife After he received, dies, they're going to keep him in the cell his for wife, another th- 300 years. Oh, if only he could feel it. You can't do the time. Don't do the crime. And I cannot do 431 <laughs> that's years right. of imprisonment. That, and that's the only thing stopping you that's from right. kidnapping an 11-year-old girl. 80 years? I, maybe I can do that. I, I don't know. 
You know, you're not taking care of yourself these days. You're not as young as you used to be. I mean, 80 years, you'd be like almost 120. It's no, true. no, no. Come on, Yeah, Torn. but that's the future. You we'll got like 40. how to extend the human life by 10 to 15 years by then. You got 40 years left in you. That's it. Well, you're, you're halfway, man. My concern is. As you know, I'll be dead next year. If I went 80 or 90 years in prison, I would run out of room to put prison hats on. Mm, that's a strong consideration. Uh-huh. But, of course, the reason that they get 431 years is because he might get time off for good behavior right. and cut everything down. And they just yeah. want to give enough of a number so that no matter what he does in prison, no matter how good he is, he's just never getting out. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah it's, Why not make it a million years? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, when a guy kidnaps and rapes a woman uh, and then is caught for it and... Uh, is sent to jail and six months after his release kidnaps another woman and an 11 year old girl an 11 year old girl and keeps her in captivity and i for did the math months. you said that the that the, the eldest daughter was 15 he'd had the girl for 18 years that means she gave birth to the first daughter at age 14 correct amundo yeah 431 years is light you know, you know the sad part is torn couldn't have done that math couldn't and didn't want to <laughs> no this guy should have been put in one of those crazy cells that the artists in uh oh the art episode the art with episode. the uh, surrealist oh yeah the french revolutionary that's what it was no, spanish, spanish spanish revolutionary the they should put him in one of those crazy ones for 431 years that would be awesome where you can't sleep on the crazy bendy bench and the walls are all effed up yeah this is the time where you really kind of want just to be able to extend human life to like 400 years or 200 years of pops that he can actually do that much time. Cause keep uh, him in a hyperbaric chamber of some kind. I don't know. I'm fine with him dying off as soon as he can naturally. Once you get to yeah. the age of 90, you're probably not that good at making license plates anymore anyway. Yeah. So you're not even contributing to I'm, society in any way. I'm against capital punishment, but not because people, there aren't people who don't deserve it. I mean, this guy deserved it. I'm mm-hmm. against it because I just don't trust the government to be the ones to figure out who those people are. Yeah. Five months
in the news. April 2011, a Korean pop group's leader, Taeyeon, got the scare of her life when a stranger suddenly appeared on stage while the group was performing at a music festival, grabbed her by the arm, and then dragged her off stage. What? The incident happened during Girl Generation's performance at the Angel Price Music Festival held at an ice rink in South Korea. Videos of the incident are available on YouTube. Nice. Uh, so this is an unsuccessful kidnapping. Ah, uh, an attempted kidnapping. The girls were singing Run, Devil, Run when an unidentified man suddenly emerged from the left wing and approached Taeyeon on stage. And I'm guessing he ran, devil, ran with her? Actually, he was very, just kind of walky. Oh, He just really? kind of walked up to, on stage, just kind of pushed through the other girls and grabbed her by the wrist and started pulling her off stage, dragging her off stage. I don't think he thought his plan through. <laughs> I think so, he was just overcome by hormones, perhaps. We will undoubtedly put this video on causticsodapodcast.com. Look, guys, if you want to pull girls away by the hand, you have to talk to them first and make sure it's okay. <laughs> and well, you might be able to do that. Probably not during a concert. I couldn't find out who this guy was, but he, he was apparently, from some sources, just a college student and uh, no charges were pressed. He was, oh. just, he was stopped by the, by the MC, who was a local comedian. And When you can be stopped by the comedian MC, you really haven't put too much thought and energy into this plan. He gets away with this without with nothing so much as a slap on the wrist. Merely because he's poorly planned. I, I don't even know if he planned. Yeah. yeah. Like, it sounds like he just went, oh, that's what I should do, and walked on the stage. Probably he just was at the ice rink. Must have. <laughs> She's pretty. I should take her home with me. It, uh, my news item, actually, is uh, from November 25th, 2011, and it's somewhat related to this topic. What? Kyrgyzstan moves to stop bride kidnappings. Hmm. There's a, evidently a, a cultural, and I air quote cultural very heavily here, a tradition of kidnapping women and forcing them to marry you in areas of the world like Kyrgyzstan and Chechnya. Okay. Do you just go into someone's house or get them from the library well, or whatever you can do? There are lots of videos of this online because many of these guys like to videotape their exploits and post them online kind of like they're proud of it these are the people who marry them or they sell them off to marry no no they marry them this is how we met how romantic yeah so what they do is they <laughs> how i kidnapped your mother <laughs> the new kyrgyzstan sitcom they see a girl they like on the street and they drive up next door and like four guys pile out and they throw her in the back seat and they drive off with her oh. what they do is they bring them to a house and the family of the guy tries to talk her into marrying him if it, she says no in kyrgyzstan evidently sexual assault is rarely part of the equation but in chechnya it's often part of the equation because what happens when a woman is raped they are now sullied and no longer fit for marriage to anybody else Right. So a lot of the women feel pressured to marry the rapist because Ooh. if they don't, they will never be married. And they live happily ever after. I actually, I saw a show on the CBC about this very thing. They talked up to this one woman who this very thing happened to. She was kidnapped in Chechnya and raped. After the raping, he said, well, now you must marry me. And she's, are you insane? You just brutalized me. And, uh, and he said, well... Okay, well, then go home. And she went to go home and told her parents about what had happened. And her dad kicked her out of the house and yeah. told her never to return yeah. because he, now that she had been raped, she was no longer his daughter. So instead of sleeping on the street homeless, she went back to her rapist family home and agreed to marry him. And they lived happily ever after. But, Until uh, she committed suicide. Yeah, the government in Kyrgyzstan is uh, is actually now starting to bring legislation forward to put an end to this practice. 
human rights groups say around 15,000 women and girls are kidnapped for marriage in Kyrgyzstan each year. That's a lot. Uh, and it's That's estimated more than 8,000. <laughs> it's estimated that as many as 10 women commit suicide each year as a result of these yeah. forced marriages. Yeah, this is where I get that 8,000 number you quoted earlier in the show is probably ransom. Yeah. Right? Cuz there's no they're not asking for ransom. Right. They got what they wanted. They they kidnapped the booty and they got it. What the government is doing because the marriages get performed. A priest marries them. In yeah, Pakistan? yeah, exactly. It becomes like a tribal thing. Like even though the practice is illegal, there are almost no cases of kidnap brides with their families in the courts. It's largely to do with the stigma. Once a woman has been kidnapped, her honor is seen to have been compromised, and she'll bring shame on her family if she refuses to marry her kidnapper. Ah, uh, honor. There's a committee drafting legislation that would ban religious marriages without official marriage documents. So what the new law will do will force religious clerks and clerics from organizing a Nike, they call it, unless the couple provides official marriage certificates oh. to to say mm. that they have been given permission to do this. So you can't just drag some girl kicking and screaming into the church anymore and say, marry us in a traditional ceremony without first providing, you know, right. what you'd regularly your get from the government, your legal yeah. documentation. So that's that's the big step they're taking towards putting it. But it's not practice. that's not going to do everything, because as you talked about, I mean, you know, the girl got kicked out of her house. Yeah, because the, there's the a cultural option component. she had was that guy. So yeah, she she's already probably agreed. In she would have signed those documents. Yeah. yeah, it's a half step. This is why if I become a superhero, like get superpowers, mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to be hanging out in Vancouver and stopping small crime. I'm going to no. be over there beating the shit out of men. You can seriously go online and find and We'll put some of these videos, obviously, on the website, causticsodapodcast.com. I don't know if I want to watch them, but and I'm glad to know that they'll be there. They actually film it themselves, right? Like, it's yeah. they're proud of it. And they post these online. Like, it's really horrifying when you read some of the first person accounts of this sort of stuff. Yeah. This yeah. is just not treating women like human beings. That's what it is. They're just property in, in that culture. Yeah. And that's wrong. And uh, we're going to not treat that country like a good country until they change their ways. What will your superhero costume and identity be? Probably... Uh, the Punchinator? Uh, yeah, the Punchinator. <laughs> I, it depends on what my powers are, okay. you know? Yes. Well, if you, let's, if you have to go Super from a Batman-esque kind of, you know, you don't have any powers, you're just oh, going to dress man. up in a costume. Oh, Lazy Man? Because the, <laughs> the, the reason... The man who scoffs at justice from a far distance. Right. You <laughs> guys should not do that. That's not very cool. Well, in that case, you already are. That uh, superhero. Excellent. I'm you know a superhero. What? I'm going to let my dollars do my talking. Chechnya and Kyrgyzstan, you are not going to get my tourist dollar until we put a stop to this. There we go. That's a superpower. All right, lesser of two evils. Being kidnapped and held for ransom, okay. or as a callback to our wolf attack episode, getting savaged by a pack of wolves. Do we know how many wolves are in this pack? Well, we said... Because the two to 30 is the normal amount. Yeah, is but the two or is it thirty? Average number is eight. Sure. Okay. So I'm saying six to eight. And what's the circumstances? Of, this is me now being mm -hmm. kidnapped. Yes. I don't have any rich parents, so I have to mm -hmm. assume that they are going to use and abuse me. Or you know, I mean, maybe they'll throw out one of these executive or what do they call it? The express kidnapping. So oh, they express make it a very kidnapping in Mexico. Yeah. So it could be an affordable. This could be the offer right. is they make it affordable, two but G's. that doesn't that doesn't mean your parents will pay. I think they'd pay two G's. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's say I think they would pay two G's not because they care about you or think you're worth that. 
but because they're worried that other people would think less of them <laughs> for not paying the two. So they're like, let's pay $2,000 so people think we're not awful. <laughs> let's let's say, put yourselves in the shoes of the kidnappee, though, because you don't know anything about the details. You don't know if they're sure. asking for money. You don't, they're putting you the just, bag over my head, and I'm in a car for 11 hours, yeah. and I'm in a dark place Then you're in a dark place, and you don't know how long you'll be in that dark place. Or you're out in the woods, and you've been surrounded by a pack of wolves, and they are about to attack. All right. So really, on the one hand, you know that it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you could be released in 27 hours. And me knowing me, I'm going to say it's not going to be that bad. You think they're going to throw you back? Like you're like an undersized fish? I don't Your parents aren't rich enough? I don't enough? think they're going to cut me. I don't think they're going to abuse me. I think they're going to tie me up. Okay. Because I'm not worth anything to anyone. This could be one of the ones where they kill you whether they get the ransom or not. They could just ice you because they don't want you to be a witness. Well, are they going to send a pack of wolves at me? To kill me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you recall our wolves episode, if you take out the alpha wolf, the rest will run away. It's true. With wolves, uh, you know, there's a, they are a, pack animal. a, a very high survival rate, although yeah. there's also a very high mutilation. <laughs> yeah, that one guy who had his face half taken off. Yeah. Yeah. This is why this is great lesser of two evils. Yeah. I think I know what my answer is, though, mm-hmm. but it has to do with, with me and my skills and what little I have of some and what I have of others. And I think that my skills are more social than physical. So I'm going to have to go with the kidnapping. Right, because you figure you can reason with your kidnappers and... uh Maybe. I think I might actually get to the point where I'd be like, look, dudes, I'm not even going to open my eyes. I'm not going to memorize. Look, if you get paid, I'm never going to be able to identify you. Let's just make this as cool and painless as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to chill. You get paid. You let me go. I'll never identify you. We're all cool. I can't say that to wolves. That's I can't true. go, come on, wolves, let's chill out. You can't I have to physically take out that alpha wolf while there's a whole other pack of wolves jumping me. And I just don't feel confident <laughs> about that at all. I have to assume that they've kidnapped me by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Torin, you're like a cult band singer guy. Yeah, they could like, just be a huge fan of yours. Like, yeah. they may never let you go. Oh, this is like a Misery-esque type situation. Yeah, or, or that, that really bad one with right, Daniel Stern. Right, the new Spaceship Zero soundtrack. Yeah, with Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd, the one where they kidnapped the basketball player. I didn't even see that one. Oh, no, nobody saw it. It's terrible. <laughs> but... They they just wanted to, to get him out of the way because they wanted their basketball team to win. They could just be huge fans. See, this is the thing. You could actually be in captivity for like 18 years. But then I become acclimatized to I'm going to go, even though normally I go with being part of the circle of life and being eaten <laughs> by whatever animals are trying to kill me and eat me. Mm-hmm. I think in this particular instance, I'm going to go with kidnapping. Just wow. because I can't believe that... That you were taken on purpose. <laughs> You're... <laughs> There's, at some point, they're going to say, we've made a terrible mistake. Just Torrance. let him go. But it could be, we've made a terrible mistake. Just put a bullet in his brain and bury him in a shallow grave like the Lindbergh baby. That's fine. Torrin's own self-worth is so low <laughs> that he thinks that there's no way anybody would ever kill him. I'm just going to be totally passive-aggressive to them, and then they're just going to say, fuck this guy. Let's go. No, and cut your throat <laughs> and then I'll you. Just, well, maybe. Or I'll just have to try and find my way out of the handcuffs. See, this is actually dissimilar to the way I thought this was going to go, because I'm going with the wolves. Oh, all right. right. Why is that? Because I think I got a shot at an alpha wolf, right? I don't have to fight six to eight wolves. I got to fight one wolf. Well, but the other ones are there. They're there, and they're going to be nipping and, at my heels. Yeah, There's no doubt about you. it. They're going to grab your legs and sweep you out, and then you'll be down on the ground, and yeah. what, what other, the alpha wolf will be around your neck. You're going to be facing that alpha wolf, and two more will come from behind you, and then as soon as you turn around, the alpha wolf jumps you. Yeah, but like wolves, to me, are more predictable than kidnappers. Also, question, how do you know which is the alpha wolf? 
Do you know dog language? Does You're he not a, a dog person. Does he have a big A on his chest? You don't know the signs of the dominant wolf. I you am be, Alpha Wolf. You could be trying to browbeat the Delta Wolf. I will pull that one of them like uh, Street Fighter Two spin kick moves. Give them all a solid toe on the snout, and okay. uh, you know, uh, hopefully one of them will get alpha out. So there's some confidence in your, in your physical ability. Exactly. I don't have that. And the, you know what would really get under my skin? Just the not knowing anything. Mm. Just not knowing what's going on or what the motivation is or how long you're going to be there. It, the, to me, that would be like being in prison, which no, is like the worst, the worst thing that I can think of. I would rather die with the wolves than be in captivity. Yeah, exactly, because there's we a predictability to it, right? Public service announcement. I found a uh, many-stepped and tips and pointers on how to come out on the plus side. On the not dead side of a kidnapping, how to survive it? You know, might take an abbreviated look at their uh, at their whole thing, and we'll put the link on the website Absolutely. so you can go and check the entire list out. One of the things they point out is try very early on to ascertain why you've been abducted, because if they're holding you for ransom or to negotiate the release of prisoners or something like that, you're most likely worth far more to them alive than dead. But if you've been taken by a serial killer or a sexual predator, mm. or if you've been abducted in retaliation to some political or military action. There's a good chance they're going to try and kill you, and so then you should be formulating a plan to escape as opposed to just sit tight, hmm, right? Okay. And uh, keep your dignity. It is generally <laughs> what psychologically. If you don't start out with any? <laughs> then get some, because it's generally psychologically harder for a person to kill, rape, or otherwise harm a captive if the captive remains human in their eyes. Never grovel, beg, or become hysterical, and try not to even cry. Humor. Yeah. Humor is the best weapon. I thought it was the best medicine. It's both. <laughs> I don't All think right. it's a weapon so much as a shield. I can't kill that guy. He's funny. <laughs> he made me laugh. Hey, he's should, human to me. Look, uh, while you're waiting for the money, you should listen to this podcast I do. Nice. It's kind oh, of fun. Yeah. Hey, we did a kidnapping episode. Caustic soda can save lives. I said exactly what I'm saying right now to you on <laughs> the podcast as though I had been kidnapped. How crazy is that? Oh, nice. Did you, you listen like a... to that and think about this because of that? <laughs> the problem is mind. it may actually dehumanize you by having them listen to Caustic Soda. <laughs> They might become less sympathetic towards your plight. Are you that Kevin guy? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, you're fine then. <laughs> Damn you, Joe. Watch out for warning signs. If your captors are going to kill you, you need to know as soon as possible so you can escape. If they suddenly stop feeding you, if they treat you more harshly or dehumanize you, if they suddenly seem desperate or frightened, you probably need to make an escape attempt. Mm -hmm. Stay out of the way if a rescue attempt is made. Uh, aside from the first few minutes of an abduction, the rescue attempt is the most dangerous time in any hostage situation. Right. Sure. Uh, your captors may become desperate and attempt to use you as a human shield. And even if your captors are taken completely by surprise, you could be killed by the actions of police or soldiers who may use explosives or heavy firepower to enter the building. Yeah, I found your superhero name. What's that? Human shield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they throw a couple like tips and pointers right at the very end of this article in how to get yourself rescued before you're even really brought into captivity. Uh, if you're forced into a vehicle, just open the door and pop out the other side if you can. If you can't, try and jam something in the ignition so they can't make their getaway. And they suggest perhaps even chewing gum oh. might do the trick. Uh, if you're thrown into the trunk of a car, you can do one of the two following things. Kick out the taillights and stick your arm out the hole and wave like crazy. Yeah. The driver won't see you, but other people will. And they may mm -hmm. alert authorities. As well, if you can't kick them out and get your arm outside, you could just pull the wires leading to the taillights. Uh, as in pretty much everywhere, law enforcement will stop cars that do not have functioning taillights. Oh, that's a great and idea. hope for uh, a rescue that way. Pop culture? 
Pop Goes the Culture. Uh, well, I rewatched Suicide Kings the other day. Um, ah. Had really fond memories of it. Yeah. It's really dumb. Like yeah. the setup. Like not, not the details. Like yeah. the, the details and the acting and the characters are all excellent and it's fun to watch because of that. But the what whole. What is the setup? Basically, Christopher Walken is, uh, uh, let's say, an honest businessman. Uh-huh. Uh, and I use the air quotes around that because he's obviously not. He's kind of a mob boss. Mm-hmm. A couple of rich 20-somethings kidnap him because the girlfriend of one of them has been kidnapped by mobsters and they're demanding $2 million. So their big plan, and this is where the stupidity comes in, mm-hmm. is we don't have $2 million even though we're rich. So we're going to kidnap this mob boss, not hide our faces at all. He's going to know who we are. We're going to talk about our fathers that he's met cut off his pinky finger to show him that we mean business and also because her pinky finger was cut off to prove that it was her so they're like anything that happens to her is going to happen to you even though he has nothing to do with it well yeah. these guys teenagers and maybe they're just supposed to be stupid they're no. like 20 somethings like yeah. one of them's a med student like he's only a few years away from becoming a doctor, doctor so he's, he's the like... one who he's the one who's in charge of making sure he's okay so they cut the finger off put it on ice they give him medic medication so look once we're done you can go to the hospital get this put back on you'll be totally right <laughs> as rain i'm like really you think that a mob boss is going to be reasonable about this you guys are dead i remember hearing lots of good things about this movie when it came out and i ran to the theaters going mm-hmm. i'm a huge christopher walken fan and jay moore was just getting started at the time yeah. and i was a big fan of his lots of people had lots of good things to say about it and i watched it and even at the time thought to myself this is ridiculous yeah the setup is ridiculous but if you can get over that it's a fun movie and and worth watching and christopher walken is fantastic in it as usual like he just plays christopher walken so well. Christopher Walken is the only reason to watch that movie. Everything else is stupid. Why is it called Suicide Kings? A Suicide King in a deck of cards is the king whose sword is pointed up, at his own pointed head. up and po- it's actually behind his head like yeah. he's in a swing, but it looks like he's stabbing himself in the head with his sword. Mm-hmm. So two of the kings in the deck uh, out of the four look like they're stabbing themselves in the head. And apparently there was a bunch of 20-somethings in real life who did something along these lines, and they called themselves the Suicide Kings. So when they made the movie, they just kind of borrowed the name. Also, really, these idiots are killing themselves by doing this. I'd like to talk about Boxing Helena. Why is it called Boxing Helena? Because Helena ends up in a box. Oh. But alive. This woman, Helena, gets kidnapped by Julian Sands. Is that the character or the actor? The actor. It's really creepy and weird and art house, and uh, it brings a whole Stockholm Syndrome kind of element to it because the more that he takes away from her, the more dependent she is on him, the more, you know, she seems to be falling in love with him. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, twisted and weird, but almost the thing I find more interesting than the movie itself is the fact that Kim Basinger was originally cast to play in this movie. She backed out at the last minute after having signed all the contracts and all the rest of that stuff. The studio successfully sued her mm. and it like forced her into bankruptcy. Like she owned that town. She had to sell that town as a result, like she pay the damages. Her. Yeah. She was one of those weirdo actresses that bought a town. Yeah, I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was, she yeah, owned what? a town. Kim Basinger owned a town. There's a couple of crazy actors America's that have like bought weird. out entire towns. Yeah, they like bought all the, the well, town was going. Somebody's got to own them. Yeah, and the town was People going bankrupt, and and okay. they like bought the whole thing, and uh, yeah, they ended up with a, an actress of not even close to her star power, and so 
they argued that she irrevocably damaged the earning ability sure. of the movie. Sure. Right. So, yeah. Because the replacement was not as... Not as starified. Uh, it's worth watching. I don't know if I liked it or not. I was really into those art house kind of movies. Like, I even, in, in a similar vein, I really like. I even kind of got behind Tommy Up, Tommy Down, even though it was like a despicable subject matter. The Antonio Banderas movie about kidnapping and, uh, and, and raping this woman who eventually falls in love with him. Yeah. It was it was disparaged at great length by like all the mm. women's rights organizations at the time. I haven't seen it. It was an Almodomar movie, and it was very controversial. And uh, they're not documentaries; like they're supposed to be art house. They're supposed to be allegory and metaphor, and there's m- message. And whether you agree with that message or not, it was very well communicated. That's why I stand on both those movies. Okay. Proof of Life from the year 2000. We mentioned starring David Morse, Meg Ryan, and Russell Crowe. The title refers to a phrase commonly used to indicate proof that a kidnapped victim is still alive. Oh, like they're standing there holding like a, yeah. a newspaper from yesterday or exactly. something like that, right? So Meg Ryan's character hires a professional negotiator, played by Russell Crowe, to obtain the release of her engineer husband, David Morris, who has been kidnapped by anti-government guerrillas in South America. One of those 8,000. I just watched Taken before I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. And whereas Taken is just kind of a Hollywood fantasy version of Action kidnapping. movie. Yeah, yeah right. it's an action movie. This one is actually much more realistic okay. and the bad guys are not except for this one particular mexicans they don't vilify right the mexicans right. you know they make them very human yeah and, you know especially certain characters they don't they're not like the, the kind of mustache twirling bad guys exactly. you know i could help you god i'm doing a terrible i'm not gonna do the accent i could help you if you give me some money I mean, I know I'm a police officer, but come on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, in short, I would recommend seeing that. It didn't, maybe it just had to do with my expectations. I didn't really have any expectations, so I was kind mm-hmm. of pleasantly surprised that yeah. this was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It did have David Caruso in it, right? That's the, one of the cons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really the only con, uh, is that David Caruso <sighs> is just hard to watch, generally speaking. He was only in the movie like the last quarter of the movie. Hmm. And some caustic trivia. David mm-hmm. Morse's stand-in was killed in a freak accident when a truck on which he was riding suddenly turned and drove off a cliff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And originally, it was planned that all extras were to receive the normal pay use for American extras, but the Ecuadorian government, who could not afford to have their actors paid that well, demanded the movie pay Ecuadorian salaries. And I guess when they say could not afford to have so, their actors pay that well, it probably meant social, sociologically. Yeah. What is that? Like, they, what, they didn't want their the extras government... to become incredibly wealthy just from working on this movie for two months. And then, like, earn, like, 10 years worth of salary or whatever. Oh, that would be terrible. It's a good thing the government saved them from that. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand it either. That's baffling. It's, do they not know that when people have money, they then spend it in their local community? And it makes the local community better? Maybe they were afraid they were going to run for public office. I Oh, and take over because mm. because they made their $60 an hour. That's right. They've got their uh, their U.S. president-style money. Well, extras get, like, 9 bucks an hour. <laughs> so. Non-union. Oh. Union ones are, like, 19 you better watch out, Mr. Mayor. I have $500. <laughs> Anybody else see Man on Fire? Nope. No. It is a really good movie. And Why is it called Man on Fire? Because they light everybody on fire at the end of the movie. Nice. No, no that's not true. Oh. <laughs> it, Denzel Washington plays a former military guy who's now private security, and he's hired by this wealthy American family who lives in South America to protect their young daughter, played by Dakota Fanning. And so it's this uh, big, scary, uh, you know, military black guy and this like tiny little blonde girl. And uh, it's uh, like a heartwarming kind of family story with constant danger of kidnapping sort of subtext. 
Okay. And then the, the, the kidnapping actually goes off, and then he's out there to, like, puts himself in personal danger to rescue her, and it's a really good movie. It was one of those movies that I went in expecting six and a half, and, and I probably would have given it, like, an eight, right? Like it, it It exceeded my expectations. I really enjoyed it. It was really well done on every level. What about Fargo? There's kidnapping in it. Coen Brothers filmmaking at its best because... They take all the rules and they throw them out the window and you still end up with a brilliant film. Yeah, like, this was the one that got them all the accolades that... Well, uh, yeah, they won how many Academy Awards for it? A million. Comics. Well, the one comic I want to talk about is Acts of Violence. Oh, who did that? Myself. I co-wrote it with a very good friend of mine named Todd Ireland. Yeah. It's a crime anthology of four, quote-unquote, true crime stories, like set sure. in the real world, no you know, superheroes or anything like that. And... Uh, Illustrated by one Torn Atkinson. Oh, that's I might. Me. <laughs> you can uh, check it out at www.actsofviolencecomic.com. You can. Uh, there's all sorts of blog posts and whatever put up by the creators and writers and artists involved. And uh, yeah, you can. Can you order it through us. comic stores? No, you want to order it from the Caustic Soda website. Oh, I didn't know. Actually, wait, I did. It's uh, it's available for purchase in our online store at causticsodapodcast.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you uh, order it uh, at the website, you might just get a couple of autograph copies. Mm-hmm. Now I know that there's a lot of kidnapping involved in tons and tons of pop culture. We've covered the things that we remember. Yeah. the most that that kind of struck a chord with us that we thought that was the most interesting for here but i'm sure that there are tons of books and comics and movies and other things that everybody else out there has heard we would love to hear from you yeah. on caustic soda but kidnapping stories that you think are really interesting caustic soda was recorded by mike leeson inside a small room slowly filling with water to comment on our episodes make a donation as well as videos pictures links and to download caustic soda ringtones visit causticsodapodcast.com rate and review us on itunes visit us on facebook email questions and comments to info at causticsodapodcast.com If it wasn't for those ghouls watching those kidnapping uh, MOWs, we'd have no audience.